Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to arisealife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. All right, so last week I gave you partially false advertising. I said we were going to do six people, and I did one and a third or a quarter. But it's really, we're going to get to those six, but it may take a few weeks. Um, but what we were talking about, if you guys remember, if we pull up that First Timothy um, chapter 1, Paul was talking to his protege, and he was encouraging him as he stepped out in his destiny, his calling, his purpose. Every single one of us has purpose, and for none of us is it too late to walk in purpose. And he says to him, he says, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies, the promises from God that once were made about you so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well. Guys, if you want us walking your destiny, you're walking into a fight. If you want to walk in purpose, you're walking into a fight. If you don't want to fight, you can sit down, but the fight will come to you. <laughs> Either way, there will be a fight. Anybody, anybody here tried to take a vacation from purpose and destiny? And you found a totally different kind of fight found you? Not a good one? Just saying. Anyway, moving on. So a fight. And he said, he said, holding on to faith and a good conscience, right? So that whole thing of we're pressing in, but we're not doing it on our own with our own ideas, our own understanding, but we're trusting in God. We're not going to violate our conscience in order to get what God's promised. And he said, because some have rejected and have so suffered a shipwreck with regard to their faith. So we're not going to, how do we walk that promise out? How do we fight for the promise and yet trust and receive it from God? And so last week we talked about Joseph, right? And Joseph, Joseph was a great encouragement, right? Why? Because believing the promise, he tried to do it on his own. Who here, when you heard a promise from God about what he had for you, you decided to help God out, Right? God, you've designed me to have a loving spouse. I'll take you. <laughs> Moving on. Anyway, and, but instead, even so, he had this amazing, incredible story of redemption from the worst possible outcome, right? Well, I've got another encouragement today in the person of Moses. Now, uh, we're not going to be doing this verse by verse because it would be four books. So we're just, I'm going to do this story time style. But the life of Moses stretches from Exodus through Deuteronomy. Four books. Exodus, uh, Numbers, uh, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And so those four books of the Bible, the second through the fifth books of the Bible, Moses' story is there in glowing detail. And I'm going to tell you right now, God is going to get in your junk. It's not me. It's not me. He's getting in all of our junk. But prepare yourself because he's coming for you because he's coming for me. Because the things I'm going to share right now convict us all. Okay? So don't, I always get this, like when God starts convicting everybody, everybody looks back like, oh gosh, it's only me. No, it's not. You take comfort. You're not alone on this one. Okay? All right. So here's the deal. You got Moses. You remember Moses? Moses was born at the worst time possible. 
worst time possible. I want you to know he was born at the exact right time. I want you to know you were born at the right exact time. None of you is a mistake or an accident. Do you know how many people strive to get pregnant and can't? And then other people are like, oh my gosh, how did that happen? Because God knows what he's doing. You're like, well, he sure didn't. You can take that up with him, but I promise you, he said the world will be a poorer place without you. And he, de he designed you and he called you into being. And yes, there were broken people who made some bad decisions in your life, but God even used their bad decisions to bring you in because he loved you, because he had a purpose for you and a destiny. And so he calls, calls Moses into a time when they're killing all the babies, all the baby boys. All the Hebrew boys, he's born into Egypt. He's born into a slave family. Great, it's getting better. I'm in a slave family where they kill all the boys. Does that sound like a good time? No, but what's bad time for others, God makes amazing. So he calls him in and he brings him out and it's like, wow, look at him. And he comes in and his mom, his mom, he's, he's only there because the midwives do this like, because the Egyptian government wants them to kill the, uh, the uh, Jewish babies because they're, they're becoming too strong. And so, so uh, but the Jewish midwives risk their lives to save him and to save others like him. And then his mama doesn't know what to do. And she keeps him. You, ladies, you know about the fifth, sixth month when you can't keep him silent anymore, right? You know, like it doesn't work anymore for ah! They just start getting loud and, oh my gosh, what is she going to do? And so at this point, she just comes up with a genius idea. I don't know about you. This doesn't sound like a genius idea to me. Anybody find that desperation, God sometimes gives you genius ideas that seem crazy? And she puts, makes a basket and puts it in the river and sends out his sister to watch him floating in the river. Defects would get called, right? Don't you think? I mean, like you're putting your baby in the river, you know what I mean? But anyway, so there he is floating in the river and there he's just, you know, his sister's watching him and one day the plan gets discovered. Oh no, this is the worst possible situation. What if the worst possible situations are the moment of God's biggest breakthrough? But what if, because we think it's the biggest one, we run screaming and hiding? What do you think would have happened? Because Pharaoh's daughter walks down to the Nile. By the way, Pharaoh, this particular Pharaoh probably had about 50 sons and a bazillion daughters. So that, that she wasn't like the crown princess, but she was one of his daughters. She comes down and she goes, oh, look, a baby. I want a, a baby. Now, imagine in this moment, his sister has to make a decision. And she goes, I'm going to take that baby. She has a moment of courage. Listen, she could have run, but did she? No. In that moment, rather than believing it was the worst situation, she stepped forward, believing hope against hope for a good outcome. She said, would you like, I can get a Hebrew woman to watch that baby for you. You know, because she just wanted to play with the baby. You know, she's just like, I like it. look, it's a doll. <laughs> right? And like, okay, all right. So he, she takes it home. Mom probably raises him to about 12. You know, he spends weekends at the palace. I don't know. But about 12, he gets, he moves out from being a Hebrew into being a full-fledged Egyptian prince. Woo! Right? Living the dream. Right? And he is doing great. He gets all the best training in the world, all the best education, all the best, all the most power. And, and, but he doesn't forget who he is because it hurts inside. 
Do you want to know your purpose is tied around what hurts you? Your purpose is tied around what you go, that's not okay. I, I watch this all the time. People go, somebody ought to do something about that. Say that again, a little slower. Somebody, yes. You, you, that thing that hurts you, don't wait on somebody else. Go, God, here I am. I don't see how I could be a part of the solution. But, it, but, it, but he manages, anybody here, your life is too comfy, so you just don't do anything about it. You kind of turn down the pain. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're like, oh, turn the channel. I, it's too big. It's too much. I can't do anything about it. Until he hits about 40, he has a midlife crisis and snaps, right? He, you know, a couple of you blinked. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, midlife crisis simply means... I suddenly realize I'm not living on purpose. My life doesn't make sense. I'm supposed to be doing more something. And that hurt comes roaring out. And in that moment, he goes, he goes, he has his epiphany. There's a Hebrew man. He is being beaten by an overseer. Dun, dun, dun. Enter super Hebrew, right? And he decides to kill it. Genius plan, right? Obviously, he wasn't doing the math. Because at this rate, how many days is it going to take him to liberate the people of Israel? Of Israel? One Egyptian at a time. It's going to be a while, right? No, it doesn't work out. In fact, a few days later, he comes in and he's like, well, you know, because he has heard the cry of his people and it matters. It seems stupid that he, a Hebrew, a Jew, a Egyptian prince who of Hebrew origin should think that he could do anything for these people, but he's dumb enough to believe it and super dumb enough to act on it, on his own understanding. And some of us, we have heard the pain, acted in our own understanding, and it's turned out poorly. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And who, when that happened, the understanding that I got from that was, well, obviously I was wrong. It wasn't, it wasn't God. I'm not supposed to do that. Let me tell you, the right thing at the wrong time in the wrong way is still the right thing. You hear me? It may be the wrong thing at that time, but it doesn't deny the fact that he has a call on your life. And so here he is, and he's like crying out. And, and so the next day, he, he's like big for his britches. He's like, one Egyptian down. And he comes out, and he sees two Jewish men uh, fighting. He goes, guys, guys, can't we all just get along? The guy goes, oh, you going to kill me too? That is not how he scripted it. Anybody here, you started pursuing your purpose and destiny and it didn't come out as scripted, right? In that moment, he has to make a decision. He makes a very wise, measured decision. Run away, right? He goes running away. Okay, who are my runners? Okay, most of the runners didn't raise their hand because they blinked because they're runners. I'm, I'm tracking with you. <laughs> right, okay, so he runs. He bails on what does he bail on? His family, his second family, his wealth, his privilege, all of his training. Like he, like, like, I mean, he has the softest hands ever. He hasn't had a callus in his life, right? He's never done a day's work in his life. He is, a, he is a white collar as they come and he leaves it all behind. It's over. There's no purpose. There's no point. God can't help you now, right? 
I've gone too far. I've screwed it up too bad. And we'll start over from scratch. Now, where does he end up? He ends up in this place called Midian, the backside of the desert of Saudi Arabia. He is in the middle of nowhere with nothing. Nowhere, nothing. Anybody here been in a nowhere, nothing season? The great thing about American economy is 2008 really gave a lot of us an opportunity to experience that. But anyway, and so, so in the middle of nowhere, nothing, nothing. I've lost everything. I've lost my purpose. I'm totally disconnected from all my skills, all my abilities, everybody who thinks I'm anything. He wanders into town, and the only thing they can say to him is, you ain't from around here, is you? Anybody? Anybody been that person? Like, you, you're not from around here. You have no cards to play. But in that place, Jethro takes him in. <laughs> uh, Uncle Jethro, he takes him in. I mean, and he takes him in, and he, and he, and he, and he, so, you know what? You know, as long as I'm here, I'm stuck, I'm never going back, there's no purpose, I'm just going to live for today, nothing God can do for me anyway, and I was going to wait for Miss Wright, I'll take Miss Wright here. <laughs> Don't blink. Anyway, so he, he takes Miss Wright here, and, and they have them two little boys. Oh. They're just hanging out, and he gets him a low, menial, you know, job as a shepherd. Now, we said this before. Do you know who they give jobs to shepherds? People with zero skills. Because do you know what kind of skill it takes to follow sheep around? Zero. You see that white fluffy thing? Keep your eye on it. He don't run fast. You keep your eye, right? It's like literally, like, it's like, like none of his life seems to make sense at this point. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Where you've come to a season where all of your, your Chuck E. Cheese coins, all of your abilities, all your purpose, none of it lines up. And he sits there, but there in the middle of it, guess what happens? He runs into God. 40 years later. Who here, if, you, if you've reached 80 and you are that far from your destiny, pretty much cashed it in? Nobody? Like literally, like he spent 40 years going in the opposite direction. Obviously, God can do nothing for him. Anybody here 40 years going in the opposite direction? Come on. Come on. In that moment, in that moment, he, God goes, Moses. And he's like, yeah. Let, let me tell you. When God shows up, do you know what you do? Freak out and say yes. That's it. Your job is not to figure it out. Your job is not, it's just go, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Like some of you, God showed up today and you're like, I have no idea what to do. Just say yes. Just say yes. Just say yes. You know, it's like if Warren Buffett shows up and says, hey, you want to hang out? You say yes. Right? You know what I mean? It's not a conversation. When the God of the universe shows up, you just say yes. It's going to be good. So... God, yes, sir. I like him. So he, he, God shows up, and, and Moses is like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. And God's like, take off your shoes. I mean, I don't know about you. That's not where I'm starting. I do. I do. But anyway, that's true. Actually, I do. But he says, take off your shoes. And, and he's like, I don't know about you, but I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, what? Like, like that, after 40 years, that's what you have to say to me? We're talking about footwear. Let me tell you this. When God shows up, he doesn't start where you and I think. 
he confounds our understanding. But if we're like, ah, 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 please explain to me. God goes, oh yeah, take off your shoes because the ground is holy. Still not explaining anything. By the way, when you ask God for those kind of explanations, you usually get an explanation that explains nothing. Until later, you might understand. But in the moment, you're like, okay, we're just going to go with it. <laughs> Let me tell you, when God begins to move, obedience is the only option. Anything else, when you're like, I need, I need an explanation. The beautiful thing is, Moses says yes, but he keeps, he, he's, he's so encouraging to our weakness, isn't he? Because he goes, he goes Moses, God goes, Moses, I want to talk to you about something. Yes. I have heard my people's cry. Uh, I'm sorry, God. Which people are those? Oh, those people that I left behind. Do you know what Moses' first reaction, I'm sure, was? Pain and shame. Why pain? Because that's what he was made for, and he's never moved in. Why shame? Because he screwed it up, and he knew he should have been there. Let me tell you, shame is the devil telling you that what you did is more powerful than what God will do. Hear me again. Shame is the devil telling you what you've done is more powerful and disqualifies you from God doing anything. Either let God be God or you be God, but you can't have it both ways. And in that moment, you've got to choose. Because you know what shame does? It makes you run away. How do I know Moses got over shame? Because he stayed. He's like, he goes, okay. He said, and I've got great news. I'm sending you, Moses. Moses goes, we already tried that. Do you think God's plan for Moses is different than Moses' plan for Moses? So often, the only thing we've learned from our plans is that's not how he's going to do it. He's going to give you a new plan. He goes, that's all right. I will send you. And Moses is like, ha, 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 And he says, what does he say? He says, what's that in your hand? He's like, uh, a stick. What is that stick? Literally, that stick. Who are my hikers? You got a walking stick that you've been working on for a few years? You know what I'm talking about. You know, you, got the, you found that perfect. I mean, I had this piece of tulip poplar. It was so light, so springy, so strong. I love that thing. And he's been working on this thing. This is like all he has to show for 40 years. <laughs> that piece of wood. And God goes, throw it down. Woo! Throw it down. And what happens to that stick when he throws it down? Turns into a snake. Now, if you have been in the desert, what kind of snakes live in the desert? My, my herpetologist. Venomous ones. Venomous ones. Why do you think Australia is the most deadly place on earth? Because all the deadliest snakes live there. In the desert live poisonous snakes. Your settling in your destiny will be a rattlesnake that will kill you if you don't lay it down. Any of it, do you know what I'm talking about? Like when you're really in a bad place, you just, you make little victories out of nothing. Nobody? I won the office pool this year. It's like, you know, nobody? No, you know what I'm talking about? You have so few victories. You're just like, this is my victory, right? 
No, you were made for more. And if you don't lay it down, you'll never get the more. And in that moment, he, he, God goes, okay, now pick it up. Ah! What do you do with a poisonous snake? Don't pick it up. I like, Buzz is like, I've only learned one thing in 40 years. Don't pick up snakes. That was the first day on the job. They were like, no snakes, right? And he's like, oh. But here's the deal. If you are to follow God, you have to go where reason doesn't go. If you're going to get the plans of God, you can't go where reason goes. And in that moment, that to me is the moment for Moses. That is the moment. Well, I'm pretty much dead anyway. God can work with that. All right. And it turns back into a stick. God said, I can give you back your little victories. And I'll transform them. Because you surrendered it. Stay with that. Do you think Moses thinks he's got a good resume for deliverer of Israel? So uh, I'd like to make a pitch, Lord, for this job. No, no, let's pass on that, right? He has, he's just, he's like, I'm all out. God goes, you're my man. He goes, no, I'm not. Send somebody else. I wonder if God was like, believe me, I've been asking around. <laughs> it's been a minute. <laughs> Why do you think I had to come this far out? <laughs> Like, you know, in that moment, he's like, <clears throat> and there's more to the story, but speed it up. He goes, he goes, he goes, but hey, listen, Moses, he goes, Moses, listen, he said, I need you to go speak to Pharaoh. He says, now, now some of us heard stutterer, that phrase is actually, he says, I have a heavy tongue. That's all for the euphemism is I don't speak good Egyptian no more. I don't speak that anymore. I'm not, I'm not classy anymore. I don't know about you. I lost most of my class a long time ago. Some of that's obvious to you. But, but in that moment, he's like, I don't, I don't even know how to relate to that world anymore. Who am I? He said, not a problem. I thought of that. Your brother Aaron, who's still in that world, is going to be your translator for you. Okay. All right. Darn it. Foiled again. But he still had to say yes. Isn't this a wussy yes? Please. This should encourage us all. Because some of us think the only yes is yes. And most of you, even this Sunday, you were like looking around and you're like, man, they look like soldiers. And I'm like. Listen, he works with wussy. But do you think Moses felt disqualified? Yes. But do you know, God had been qualifying him the whole time. So what were the things that he did the first time around? He was a prince. He was a prince. So he did government, right? He knew government. He knew languages. Their court, it was the highest education in the land. 
He had all this education, but he was also raised as a good Jew, right? He's a good Jew, had all that going for him. Now, but he walked away from that, right? What did he get? What were some of the things you think he got on the backside of Beyond with Uncle Jethro? He got a wife. He got two kids, two boys. Uh-huh, what was that? Comfort. He got some comfort. He got... What's that? He got, he got some calluses. He learned how to work. He got community. Come on. What was that? Lead dumb sheep. I'm not even going to say what I thought I heard. It was something else entirely. It involved donkeys. But anyway, all right, okay, yes, um, leading dumb sheep. Come on. Survival skills. He, survival, he, he learned, uh, he did recon on the desert. Camping. Recon, camping, right? Leadership. Uh, uh, <laughs> you would say a very, it was more leadership. But, <laughs> see what it is there. Learned how to pick up snakes. Yeah, he learned all the danger zones. Yeah. What's that? Fellowship with God. He met God. He learned to be a father. Come on. You know, I will say this, that met with God. Let me tell you this. You, there is some, there, part of the reason we come together is because God can move us forward in ways we can never come, go apart. But let me tell you this. Also, if you don't build your relationship with him out there on the backside of the desert, he can never move you in your life either. It's both and. And so he learned to walk with God, right? And he learned fatherhood. There's a lot of good things he got there. Now watch what he does. God uses all of this. There is no part of your life he will not redeem. But he married the wrong woman. Yeah, because she was not a Jew. Now, here's the deal. I'm, this is about, a, okay, I'm not making eye contact on this one. Y'all work about the, yourselves. I want to just say this, whether it's wives, whether it's jobs, whether it's kids, whatever it is, let me tell you, there's this lie. I have to change everything to be able to say yes to Jesus. God didn't get rid of his wife. In fact, there's this amazing moment because Moses is like, all right, we're ready to roll, right? He and Aaron are taking off. And it says this craziest passage in the Bible. It said, God set out to kill him. Okay, easy, tiger. I, well, I just said, yes, why would you try to kill me? I would submit it this way. Anybody know somebody who got promoted above their level of character? What happens when you get promoted above your level of character? You get enemies? What? Anybody seen somebody? Hit? What happens to uh, Bubba in the trailer who gets a uh, wins the lottery? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know you could go through a billion dollars in 32 days. That was amazing. Like, uh, you know, one of the fascinating things is there was this great thing. Uh, there was a crew that robbed a... Um, a, uh, an armored truck in North Carolina. 
and they were going to hide out. And, they, and, they, and the feds would never have caught them. Except, suddenly, there's a $150,000 car outside the double wide. And suddenly, everything was leopard print. And suddenly, they moved into a half a million dollar house in it, and it looked just like the, the, the double wide. Right? What happened? What happened is they had power and authority above character. It will kill you. And God loves you too much to promote you above your level of character. Guess who saved him? Remember that wife? That wife, the wrong wife. Dang, I'm the spiritual one, honey. I've been talking to God. Who you been talking to? I'm spiritual. She goes, do you remember? There was only one thing, only one thing that the God of Abraham asked of Abraham. Do you guys remember what he asked? One thing, circumcision. Now, I realize that's a big steal. <laughs> but he had never circumcised his boys. Because, see, he was holding out. He had areas where God didn't go. If you're going to walk in your destiny, there can't be no fly zones for God. And his wife was the voice of God. You ain't, you ain't even a Jew, woman. How dare you? You know one thing I've noticed? Generally, okay, generally, husbands and wives do not value each other's relationships with God because they have fundamentally different relationships with God. Trying to keep this up here. What I found is consistently there tends to be a level of not valuing each other's walk because it's so different. One might have a very outwardly, uh, uh, emotionally powerful relationship. The other might have a quiet relationship. One might be incredibly practical with God. The other might be incredibly theological with God. Which one is better? Neither. That's why he brought you together. You need each other. And if you were identical, one of you would be unnecessary. And that includes friends. We need friends. Who here? You want friends just like you. We tend to do that, right? We get, you know, we're, so, we're all the same way. You need people that bother you, whose relationship with God is different so that they challenge us. We need friends. We need spouses. And this is... She comes in and she saves him. She saves him. Let me tell you, the best cure for character problems, you want to know what it is? Relationships. You know why? Because you bring people close, they're going, to make sure, they're going to see your stuff, aren't they? And the best thing is you need people who don't have the problems you have. Why? Because the people who have the problems you have go, they're there, I know, it's, it's hard. The people who don't have the problems you have are like, what is wrong with you? We need that in people. Okay. So anyway, so God, like, let me say this. I've watched this. I've watched this. I've done this. Forget you. I've done it a lot of times. I don't like my life. I want to follow God. So I bail on my old life and I start over. It sounds spiritual, doesn't it? No? No? It sounded spiritual to me when I did it. No, 
But let me just tell you, God wants to use all of your life. He even wants to maybe what you think are your mistakes, and he wants to use those to bring you into the perfect place to walk in your destiny. I told you I'd get in your stuff. Well, it's God, but leave him out. What I want to say is in that moment, what if God has put everything you need for your destiny already in place? What if he's giving you the friendships, the relationships, or the spouse, or the kids, or the lack thereof? Paul. Paul was perfectly fitted for his destiny without a wife and without kids. Whatever it is. What if he's got you exactly where he wants you so he can move in your destiny? But we often think he's, he wants us to leave it all behind when he, wants, he doesn't waste anything. He used every bit of Moses' squirrely journey to bring him into his destiny. Okay, and here's where I'm going to get the final piece. You guys ready? You know, if some of you are like, I'm not going to survive. <laughs> this is the final piece. Because the worst part about destiny, you want to know? There is one part of destiny that is the absolute worst part of destiny, at least according to me. There is no such thing as a promise or a destiny in our lives apart from other people being part of that destiny. Moses is like, I will lead the people of Israel out. Just, I want to lead the people, not, not individuals, not actual people, just like the nation. Can I need lead the nation out? No. It's people. And what happens? You guys remember? He leads them out. It's amazing. It's glorious. The parting of the Red Sea. Bum, bum, bum. They come out and they meet God on the mountain. And Moses is like, hey, I've already been here. I'll show you how it's done. He goes up on the mountain. And he says, wait, don't come yet. God says, if you come up, you'll die. But wait a second. He goes up and, and, the, and he says, all right, all right, we're ready for it. We're ready for it. And the people say, no, 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 we're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. You, you, you stand in the gap for us. You, Moses says, all right, okay, I'll do that. I'll do that. Instead of you have a relationship, I'll just, I'll, I'll stand in the gap for you. Okay, that's okay. That's okay. I understand you're a little scared. And then what does he do? He goes up and he spends 40 days with God. And what do the people do? One day. Two days, three days. Do you know why they quit waiting? Because they didn't have their own relationship with God. God wanted them to have their own relationship. They were trying to have a relationship through somebody else. Say lost. Anyway, and what do they decide to do? Aaron, remember Aaron? Aaron's like, man, these people are getting crazy. I'm going to have, they, they need a God they can see. So he builds them what? A big golden calf. Now, guys, it's not as bad as you think. It's not as bad as you think. The goal, the God, the greatest God in the Egyptian pantheon was the bull god, Ra, right? And, and, and he's gold, right? So he looks like the sun. So he was kind of the almighty God. So he's like, ah, uh, ah, uh, okay. So you guys need a God you can see. Uh, here you go. This is the God who brought you out. He was simply trying to make a picture of the God that had brought them out. Was it the right picture? Did God want them to have a relationship with a big gold calf? No. And when Moses comes down, Moses goes, does he do that? <laughs> Moses goes, God's like, all right, we've been working for 40 days on this little Etsy project. We've been working. I've got this whole thing down. I'm, I'm building. We got this. Like, 
You have God handicrafts. Like literally, this is the only thing apart from Adam that God ever made. And you got it with your hands on. The tablets. Do you guys remember what Moses did? Oh, no, you didn't. Shabam, right? We're going to make a moment. And he goes back to God and he goes, God goes, oh, it's okay. We'll just wipe them out. Anybody here complain to God? You're like, whoa, whoa, that's a little drastic, God. I was like, I'm mad. I'm not that mad. Do you know what God, I believe, was doing? See, God, when he walked away from everything, did God still bless him? 40 years after the fact. God said, it's okay, we can start over. I'll, I'll, I'll get the next batch. <laughs> Some of us have a lot of next batches. Moses said, you know what, I, I've done, I'm done with next batches. <laughs> I'll take this batch. Thank you very much. God's like, bingo. God even used them. You're like, yeah, but those people died in the wilderness. Guess what? It was their kids. It was their kids. It was still, God still wanted. The minute we quit trying to pick and choose the parts of our lives that God's going to use and God's going to bless, guess what? He can use it all. He can use it all, even our failures. Some, some of us are on, you know, double-digit marriages. Guess what? He can use every single one of them. <laughs> really? He can use anything. Even the mistakes of other people, he can use if they're surrendered to him. All right. Woo! All right, if we can have the worship team come up. What I want to say is, the biggest thing I want you to take away is that God is God. And there's no part of your life he won't use. There's no part of your life or your lack or your failures, your mistakes, the mistakes of others, that God won't redeem when we surrender them to him. And so that's why God's been after surrender all today. Because he wants it all. We could stand. Father, we come before you, and man, we, we have resumes way worse than Moses, but you have destinies like Moses for us. You have calling and purpose for every single one of us, and none of us is it too late. So God, we come before you today, and we give you our loaves and fishes. We give you the remainder of our lunch, the remainder of our lives. We say, take it all. Have your way. We're done running. We're done hiding. We want you. For more information, go to AriseLife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram.